0: All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Give Us a Spell podcast. My name is Zach, coming to you from the most disgusting weather in Sydney, to be honest. Um, We are going to be doing another shooting the shit uh, episode, part of our series that we're doing once a week or trying to do once a week with jockeys and trainers and whoever we want uh, on the show. This week, um, we have a young apprentice in Dylan Gibbons. Quite a few people have asked about Dylan. He's absolutely been flying. He's one of the top apprentices going around at the moment. And in absolute heavy 10, disgusting weather at Canterbury today. He had four rides and won three of them. So he is is on an absolute tear at the moment. He's killing it. Um, We're going to go through his life and what made him want to become a jockey and what his foresight is for the rest of spring and all that sort of gear. Um, if you haven't listened to the other ones, we've had Tommy on. We had Tim Clark on last week. Um, he had some pretty good insight about things like alligator blood and what his plans are for the rest of spring as well. If there's any other jocks you want to know or hear from, happy to get some country, provincial jocks, metro jocks, whatever, um, on the show, or even trainers or even Sky Talent or anything like that. Feel free to DM us, reach out, let us know who you want to hear from. So Kohai and myself are going to be talking to Dylan Um, Pumped taking.
1: How good, Tone is. I mean, he's just one of those... I've only met him face-to-face once, but he's bright. He knows how the industry works. And he's just talented. He's through and through, like whether it's through his old man or just the... I don't know if it's natural. Uh, I'll have to ask him if it's natural. But regardless of that, he is going great guns. And it's good to see new talent come through the Sydney jockey ranks or even just New South Wales in general. And he's going to be around for a long, long time, let me tell you. That's right. All right,
0: let's get him on. All right, we welcome in Dylan Gibbons, still in the car from Canterbury. One of the most beautiful uh, meetings you could see at Canterbury today. Um, I was working in North Sydney and could not see out of my window, but watching the jocks just live in the dream there. Mate, how was that? You, um, It actually was a pretty good day for you.
2: Yeah, I think I was one of very few who enjoyed myself today. I was fortunate enough to have the four rides for three winners in the third, so I'm the only one who would have said it was a good day.
0: We end up a bit muddy?
2: Uh, well, I think that's how I jagged my winners. I sort of stayed out of the mud, so <laughs> not, too, not too bad, but you know, I copped a little bit.
0: Beautiful. It's good stuff. Joey, um, so what, what was the third? You were the third. You had Super Bright, was it, the last one?
2: Yeah, Super Bright ran third, just got caught a bit wider. Tough effort, probably should have nearly won, so anyway, we'll
0: take the three. Yeah, yeah, well, we can just handle three wins from four, mate. You'll, you'll do okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's a decent drive, so how long, where do you live, mate? So how long's the drive for you, driving into town, into tracks?
2: I live about 25 inland of Newcastle, so Newcastle's obviously the home track, and it takes me about 25, half an hour, and pretty well most Sydney tracks take me Around about the two-hour mark, Rose Hills a little bit closer It's probably an hour forty-five, so it's not it's not too bad.
0: No, it's life life of a jockey, mate. Um, Kohai, you met Dylan the other week, so Kohai, obviously everyone knows works at Sky and did a bit of a Kosciuszko show. But you got Kohei, you met him last week or two weeks ago.
1: I met him a couple of weeks ago, and it's been fantastic. I actually had that question straight off the bat. Unfortunately. Dylan was due to ride Edit, but Edit came off second best after that trial up at Tamworth. I was, I was going to ask him whether, are you due to ride Anathol, or is there
2: any plans of that kind of thing, uh, Dylan? Nah, sadly, sadly, Edit was my ride, and Tom sherry has got a good affiliation with Anathol, so sadly, I wasn't able to get flipped over onto another one. But that's just sort of part of the game, and very, very frustrating that that's happened to him but horse welfare has got to come first so as long as he comes through it all right and he can hopefully be back at the races again sometime soon that'll be that'll be the best result
1: and uh, don't worry about a. Uh, I mean it is unfortunate that you miss out on uh, a big opportunity one of your biggest i guess to date but you're absolutely low flying at the moment and i mean today for example sake like you got three winners and the second from your four four rides for the day in an eight race program at canterbury i mean I guess, I mean, I've met you before, but the audience really don't know you too well. I guess to this day, because you're still an apprentice and you're still a free claimer Um, what do you credit most? I guess, and how, oh, actually, not so much credit most, but like, how did your career come about? Like, was it just about following the old man and what his obsession was about, or how did the whole growing up process come about, mate?
2: Yeah, I, I was sort of just obsessed with it from a very young age, and anything i could get my hands on any little toys i'd somehow turn into a horse race and i think once i was old enough to to really sort of get involved and understand it it just as everyone knows who's involved in racing it's just sort of a bug and once you get it you can't get rid of it and i was every school holidays it didn't matter where the races were on i'd head down with dad and even even when i wasn't riding track work and didn't need to be up early i was trying to find a way to go to track work and trials with dad and that was before I knew the difference between track work and trials. I just wanted to be around it any chance I could. And if I wasn't watching it, I was at home wearing my granddad's colours on my rocking horse, punching it around, <laughs> pretending I was in races. So yeah. That's, yeah, it's just been an obsession since day one and obviously just grew more and more as it got more involved and just, yeah, just a love of the game. When,
0: when, you, and- when, when you were little, though, like, did you... Did you always think being a jock like other, the other jockeys we spoke to? Example, Tim Clark last week, he realised pretty quick that he wasn't going to be a professional rugby league player, so he went down the jockey the jockey route. Did you play any other sports? You play footy or soccer or cricket or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I played. I had a go at most sports as a kid. I sort of the only one I really enjoyed was soccer, and had a bit of luck doing that. But it was never sort of in my mind as, as being a another job. I was always just a, didn't even have any debt i just tell people I was going to be a jockey and up until lately I was sort of always the smallest so people would always go oh yeah I can see why and yeah yeah, no nothing no other job come across my mind ever and even when I sort of first started to shoot up a bit and got a bit of height about me even when people would sort of put a bit of doubt in my mind and say oh geez you're going to be a bit tall and this and that it, it never got to me one bit and I just sort of ignored them and just had that one track mind of being a jockey, and yeah, I haven't looked back ever since.
1: Being so tall, I guess, uh, Dylan, I mean, I definitely don't. You've seen me 1st times. <laughs> I'm quite quite the <laughs> officer, really. I, I'm short as, but I'm heavy as, so it's kind of like, oh, I'm never going to be a jockey. I love too much of the drinking and the eating and everything that comes with it, but like, h- how's weight management? like managing weight for you guys like is it tough for you is it something that comes kind of naturally especially with your old man beside you or how's it been
2: um yeah i haven't had any issues yet i'm fortunate i'm i may be tall but i'm very very light and i've been able to sort of ride 53 without having to stress and and change any eating or anything like that so that's probably what's helped me from day one we've always just set my weight at somewhere comfortable where i've never had to to stress about and i've been able to enjoy sort of going out for meals going out for breakfast whenever and never had to stress about it and then now that i'm riding in town and you know it's probably one of the hardest tricky rooms in the world i've been able to take some chances on some 50 some also with 53 and, and been able to do this sort of no stress and it's just you know through opportunity that i haven't been able to ride a bit lighter but i'll definitely be able to do that so it's at, at the moment it's, it's no worry for me and i think being 22 i couldn't see myself growing much more, so as long as I can just keep on top of it and, and keep it going the way I am, you know, I couldn't see myself having any weight issues.
0: What a life, like co-hiring myself to drink a beer and put on five kilos, don't we, King?
2: Oh,
1: all day, every day and I mean, I guess I, I love it, but I mean, I, I didn't set my task to, like, my, my benchmark was never to be a jockey, uh, I'd rather be a punter on my side of the fence, so it was always easy on that regard, but you just touched on the how tough the sydney jockey room is dylan and like uh, has that just motivated you more like i mean in terms of progress you've gone above and beyond you know what i mean like you've come from obviously the provincial circuit yes obviously your your dad is very well known within sydney and new south wales and so forth but like how, how was it coming into that Sydney circuit and, you know, like what was your first meeting, I guess, as a city jockey, so to speak?
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure my first ever uh, quote-unquote Sydney meeting was the day I was fortunate enough to win my first group race on Festival Dance. So that was sort of the first time I rode against all them city boys on a on a city day. And, yeah, it's, it's funny. Yeah, when I look back on it before I'd ride against them and that, he, it it seemed like it would be pretty daunting and and things like that, but sort of once you get in amongst it and, and ride against them, it probably does just motivate you that bit more because you know you, you're taking on the best and it just sort of makes sure you know that you've got to be on top of your game because you can't you can't be falling asleep around these boys. They they'll catch you napping very quick and make you pay for it. So it's it's sort of not that I lost it, but it, that far in the belly it makes it sort of grow that bit more when you're taking on them boys because. They, you know, they're, they're probably some of the best in the world and, and they're on their A game all the time. So it just makes you realise you're going to be on top of your game and it just helps you want to better yourself each day. Your old
0: man was and, pretty and, keen on you becoming a jock, like very supportive?
2: Uh, he was very supportive, wasn't very keen on me becoming a jock because he knows how hard it can be with sort of the ups and the downs. You know, like today I was fortunate enough to have a really good day but then you, you backtrack a week or two ago and i found out my ride in a two million dollar race isn't going around so yeah. it has the highs and the lows and, and he knows that better than anyone else so that was sort of all he was worried about but he's, he's looked after me very well and yeah he, he wasn't wasn't too huge on it but once once he realized there was no stopping me he's been nothing but helpful and yeah i probably wouldn't be where I am without him
1: and more importantly how's the old lady feel about uh Two two boys in the family riding riding horses. Yes,
2: yeah, she, she's um she's not the hugest fan of us. She's she's happy when when we ride winners, but um yeah, she, she's not the biggest fan of it. She she worries a little too much, so she half watches with one eye closed.
0: I think I think when okay. you look, you, you've you've come a long way pretty quick, in my opinion. I mean, we see you, we see I guess Reese um through the ranks at the moment with the Metro meetings, and like you said, you're 22. Was Let's say a couple of years ago, would you ever thought you'd be you know sitting in a room with Nash and Hugh Bowman and j Mac and Tommy Berry and Karen? And to me, that like they must be idols to you, right? Is it just bizarre when you walk into that room and you're pretty much one of them, right?
2: Yeah, it's um, it is pretty cool because for so long you sit back there and you sort of idolise them boys and to, to get a hello off them. You know, a couple of years ago, it make your whole year. And yeah out and you sort of you're brushing shoulders with them and you're having a laugh and a joke and you know they're, they're a great bunch of guys some of their boys in the room you know kieran and tommy they they even paid for me when i was a bit bit younger before i started riding to fly up to brisbane and be their valet for the day and experience a group one day with them and you know they're, they're fierce competitors but outside the you know when you're on the track they're um, they're lovely guys and they'll they'll bend over backwards to help you and yeah, I think that's what makes it a bit easier too. That they're very easy to get along with. They're all willing to help you, and it just makes the whole experience a lot easier. It, it, like you
1: mentioned, like Tommy and Karen supported you through the the whole process. But like outside of you, old oh man, was there someone that you wanted to kind of be like as a jockey, or did you idolise
2: anyone when you were growing up? Yeah, probably outside of dad, I, I was always just a massive fan of dad for obvious reasons. But growing up, I used to obsessed over Frankie Tory. he used to have old movies I'd watch them on repeat and love his flying dismount and yeah, Frankie was sort of he was my, my idol for a long time and, and still is he's, he's, a, he's a freak of nature he's an unreal bloke and yeah Frankie was probably the one growing up
0: what about what about trainers that have been really good to you we know that you've got a pretty good connection with the Lees and all that but what does it mean to have the backing of some pretty big name trainers
2: Oh, it's it's unreal, and it sort of reassures you that you're you're doing the right thing. You know, I've been fortunate enough to ride winners for Godolphin, been able to put on the Coolmore colours, Bjorn. You know, Matty Smith gave me my first Group winner. You know, it's you just got to not take it for granted, and mm. I've I've had some great great supporters behind me who have made life life a lot easier for me. But I still got to turn up every day and do it. So, you know, I appreciate everyone who sort of helped me get to where I am
1: going back to the kind of the apprentice side of things mate. like I mean obviously does it motivate you more that like I mean there isn't too many apprentices at the moment really going through the Sydney ranks I mean yeah there are a couple but like Tyler and Reese are pretty much the predominant side of the apprenticeship and then yourself I guess that's the top three in my eyes anyway so does that make you want to earn the apprentice premiership more or how competitive is it, like, within the three of you, so
2: to speak? Uh, it's there. Yeah, obviously, is a little bit of competition, but uh, it's it's funny. Even you got Zach Lloyd poking through now too. We're actually all all quite good mates, and when we get along. We have a laugh and a joke, and it's as fierce as things seem to be. At the end of the day, once once we're not out there, we're all mates. We're all there to do the same thing, and it's probably just it's just good competition, you know, we're, we're all not far apart from each other, we're all ridden nearly the same amount of winners, so it's just, it's just enough to give you that, that push you need to make sure you're on top of your game, but there's no harshness in it, we're, we're all good mates, we're, we're happy to see each other do well, and it's just, it's just good friendly competition, and when we're out there, you know, we're, we're not really mates, but as soon as, as soon as we pull up, we're back in the room, you know, we're all just good mates again. We're, just out there to do the
0: same thing. I think that a lot of you guys, like you just said, you're good mates. You have a few older jocks looking after you and um, giving advice and all that, and and the girls' room as well. I know that the girls are pretty close to all the boys. And I guess one thing I've spoken to a lot of the jocks in the past and we have on this podcast, and I've worked in racing – I guess racing social media and stuff for a long time, you can know how toxic it can be. And talking to Tommy, talking to the other boys, they've experienced some pretty hectic stuff. You know, like you would know, people are, you're working in an industry where people are spending their hard earned and might lose, might win. You could be someone's hero, race one, where they're giving you raps, and you might have a bad ride, race two and the likes of Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and you can cop shit, right? And these older boys probably didn't have to deal with social media coming up through the ranks and stuff, but you, Reese, others that are young, have you experienced any of that, or have you spoken to the boys about going, fuck, I've just copped an absolute spray from these idiots on Twitter, or have you got any of that stuff going on? Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's,
2: it's quite sad how many people, you know, you, you get beat on one and you get a message and they, they tell you you'd look a lot better with a noose around your neck. It's, yeah. um, it's quite quite sickening what level they go to, but it, it doesn't worry me one bit because at the end of the day, when you, you think about what they're doing, they're sitting at home crying over some bloke who couldn't ride a winner. You know, there's a lot more to life to it. So yeah. I don't I don't let that fade me one bit. And it's probably growing up with social media helped me a bit because obviously before I rode, having Twitter and following all racing accounts, you sort of seen the abuse some of the other boys had to cop publicly on there, so you know I've, I've sort of seen it all without it being directed to me. But when it gets directed to you, uh, it's, it's it's you're just out of sight, out of mind. You just laugh it off, you delete it. Might send a couple of mates to have a laugh, but that's about it. You never take it seriously because you know they've probably lost five bucks and, and that one on their pension. Yeah. You don't, you don't worry about them too much. If you start well, listening to them, you're in a bit of
0: strife. It's pretty, it's a, It's really good that you, you do that, right? But I assume there might be other jocks that might really take it to take it to heart. And I think a quote that we had from Tommy was something like, we don't ever go out there to ride a bad race. We know when we've had a bad ride. Like, we don't need some other one, someone else telling me that I've had a bad ride. Because after a race, you're well, well aware if you had a bad ride, right? So... You don't ever go out there. You want to win. The whole point of it. You're in a pretty like you know competitive force, and you're in one of the most dangerous fucking jobs in the world. You have an ambulance following you every single race. Name me another bloody, you know, job that does that.
2: Yeah, that's that's, that's probably a good point you make it. And I find nine times out of ten, the ones that I think I've stuffed up on, I'm normally getting bombed for something else, which I was probably yeah. one one in the run on it and just didn't win. So it's yeah that's that's the thing people sort of don't understand you know what's what's at stake and it's you know things are a lot more extreme than they seem and to the naked eye sometimes you can look like why did we do that but there's a lot more that goes on to it you know we've got horses uh, it only takes one wrong move and you could be enough on the ground so sometimes you know like Tommy said we're we're never out there to ride a bad race we're out there to win but sometimes you know you you can't force the issue and you just got to copy your medicine and they're on again next week. So, yeah, you just, you just can't get too
1: carried away with it. I, I spoke to uh, Brett Kavanaugh today on the show and um, he made a great point of, you know, like, much like jockeys in itself, but, like, whilst he holds a training licence to himself, he goes, I'm not out there to get seconds and thirds. i I'm there out there to get wins. That's just simply yep. put, you know, like, you're not there to achieve minor places, you're there to get victories and that benefits yourself, the connection, so forth, and you're not going to look for anything else, but I just more, more or less want to ask if I guess, with um, the way you're travelling at the moment have you, do you set goals, do you set, like, targets on yourself per calendar or anything like that, or is it
2: just kind of day by day at the moment, uh, Oh, I always sort of, you know, me and my manager will sort of set out a goal, but we just sort of set that as as, as the minor goal and then you, you sort of week to week your major and because there's so much that goes on and so much racing it's hard to look too far ahead you know you you ride four or five times a week so you can't be worried about what's on two weeks away you've got all your rides leading up to it and you sort of yeah I always set little goals and thankfully enough I've been able to achieve my goals going forward so far but but you set them you you tuck them away and towards the end of the season you see how you're travelling and see if they're sort of realistic or not you don't, you set them but you don't you don't make it a do or die situation
1: And like you mentioned uh, you, you're currently just based out of Newcastle yourself, I, I guess the, the amount of rides and support you're copping in town I guess, is, is it going to be soon enough that you will relocate towards City?
2: Um, not sure Chris has been very good to me and yeah, today all three winners were for him and with the new north connects tunnel and all the roads in it's it's really not that bad of a drive and when you're riding in the bush if you've only got to travel two hours where you absolutely cheer and so it's not the worst thing in the world but i'll just have to reassess that going forward once sort of the claim dies off and just see where the opportunities are coming and if i need to get down there and and sort of start riding work for other people but that's something to assess further down the track you know chris has been good to me i'm happy where i am this is home for now and i'll just keep chipping away where i'm
0: at does does your dad think how blessed you are riding in the time like right now with the prize money in astronomical sense compared to probably when he was coming through the ranks travelling around new south wales and you know you're riding these big metro meetings you know who knows in a couple of years let's just say you have an everest ride like the money is astronomical is he a bit jealous of the time you've come through
2: Oh yeah, most most definitely. Prize money is just just ridiculous at the minute. Yeah, like like you mentioned the Everest. If, if you run last in the Everest, I think it's eight hundred eighty thousand total prize money. It's just yeah. Uh, sorry, four forty. I think it is. It's just it's just silly, you know. If you're a trainer, you're getting forty four thousand. If you're a jockey, you're getting twenty two, and you've just run last. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's sort of the only race you've seen. I've seen Josh Parr and Tommy Berry both run third for dolphin and, and they both come back thinking they won the race just like yeah, the hype around it and, and how high the stakes were so it's um yeah,
0: there's nowhere else in the world you'd rather be than New South Wales. Well, you've been you've been riding for a long, well, not say long, say you've been riding for a long time, but you've been in and around racing a long time. I guess a question I want to ask: let's let's ignore any prize money, but you would have been following the Melbourne Spring Carnival and all this sort of stuff. If there was one race that you could win, ignore prize money, what would it be? A lot of people have been saying they still want to win the Melbourne Cup, they still want to do that stuff. What would it be? Ignore prize money.
2: Uh, I reckon the Cox Plate. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to be down there when Wings yeah. won, I think, in a third Cox Plate, and I was and I watched the races Friday night. I think it was a Manicado. Something about the valley, it just it feels like the greens didn't get right on top of them, and I just I'd love to win a, a race like that, and then sort of feel the crowd erupt and be able to you know win a win a big one like that there. It just the atmosphere there just seems unreal.
1: I mean, Daryl Braithwaite was great in the uh, Cox Plate, but regardless of that, like. I mean, yeah, you've seen Wings in the Flesh and everything else, but would she be your number one pick of a horse that you wish you could have ridden?
2: That kind of thing? Uh, Growing up, I loved Lonro. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. Every now and then I go back to, I can't think what race it was, the one at Flemington where he said the crowd roars, go Lonro, go. That gives your goosebumps every time. He He was a weapon that also had pictures on my wall of him as a kid and like, she was, a, she was a freak, but oh, I still loved all them older, sort of early 2000s. They were the ones I sort of watched growing up. So I'd have to say, oh, I loved it.
1: And obviously your affiliation and couple of rides you've had with, you know, like Godolphin. Have you spoken to Darren Bedman when he's been out on track about
2: Lonro and stuff like that? No, I haven't, sadly, because i sort of only been able to just quick briefly chat to him sort of before and after the race. So that's sort of when... When it's business, but no, I'd love to do that one time, but um, no, I haven't
1: haven't had the chance to yet. You'll get pages and pages, and <laughs> you could you could be literally there for hours just embracing the whole story because he was. I'd, he'll I'd have, have tales for you. <laughs> whether <it's> the <laughs> whether whether it's the Ingham colours, whether it's the horse itself, he'd have hours and hours of celebratory kind of stories to go around and so I mean Yeah, you definitely need to go speak to him and be like. Darren, you need to tell me all about Logro because <laughs> I've, I've heard some stories and they've been fantastic.
2: Yeah, no, uh, I'd be able to sit there too and listen to every bit of it.
0: I think that was at the Australian Cup. Is that the, was that the race, Long? Yes, yes, yes yeah. it was the Australian Cup. Yeah, one of the great calls, one of the bloody good calls. Um, yeah. All time. Why don't we Why don't we go over a couple of races before we let you go, mate? This weekend, um, who yeah. knows how it's going to be running? If it's they're they're expecting absolute pissing down for the next um, couple of days, so we're obviously yeah. going we're going to have a heavy track on Everest Day too. It looks like, which is unusual for us at the moment, which is brutal. It's fucking that over it, but um, I'm sure you are too. Um, Socrates, mate, in the in the first, um, you're riding for Ponton Spee. What do you What are your thoughts?
2: Um. Well, I haven't had a chance to have a, a real good look at the minute, but I sort of only had one ride for James Ponsonby. and he seems to do a really good job with his horses so quite looking forward to getting on it for him. It's just a shame we've sort of drawn 21. It's a bit of a sticky barrier, so especially with the rail out, it might play a bit on speed and fencing run so if the track's even you know, probably they're you know, coming off a good win the other day and, and a tough win, so as long as the track's not against it it's probably the right sort of horse to be because it's, it's tough. Obviously, he handles the ground. So, yeah, probably
1: his best chance. Uh, you, you come into the the midway, our favourite race of yeah. the uh, the meeting, of course. Hardest race. Uh, <laughs> always <laughs> the hardest race. Uh, but regardless of that, you you are in Black Duke and uh, you've drawn well. You get the claim, obviously. You've only, I think you've only trolled it once. I think is my yeah. understanding, but. What are your thoughts on the horse? I mean, Adam Duggan's no slouch, and I, I actually quite rate him for breaking horses and all that kind of thing, so I'd be curious to see how it goes.
2: Yeah, no, nah, he does does a very good job at him, he's very underrated, and I think he had a good strike rate to back that up too. Um, He's trying really well, this horse, I think he's got a lot of ability, and just the other day, he got out of his ground a bit, and just probably didn't get the clearest passage through. I, I think it was a bit of a hit and run, and like you said, he gets a soft gate now, gets a bit of weight relief, and, you know, he's
0: probably going to just be in that perfect spot, somewhere
2: tucked away
1: on the fence, hopefully,
0: and should just be getting that dream run to do his best bit late. What about... Um, now you get your boss. Yeah, it? you got our, our candidate. So 2,000 metres of the best on a probably a sloppy track. It's going to be good fun. You rode it last start um, at Randwick back in August. Um, look, it's drawn gate four for the big boss. What are your thoughts?
2: he'll more than likely probably run in the poor car, yep. But wherever wherever he goes, he's going to be a great chance. He yeah, probably hasn't reached the heights he did before his injury, but you know he's still got a lot of ability in his horse, and he seems to be going well. You know, last prep you just look how consistent he was. He barely finished out the top three towards the end of it. So, depending on which way he goes, he's going to he's going to be a great chance. He's drawn soft at both places. Lovely ride. He just puts himself into the race and. Cruises around behind him and then just has one run on him. So mm-hmm. sure, whatever way Chris decides to go with him, he's going to be competitive.
1: I haven't looked at the uh, the Port Cup per se, but are, are you booked
2: to ride that day as well, mate? Yeah, that's so that's Friday. So down on him. Uh, Wallace got quality time in it, who's probably going to be hard to beat. But like I said, we're drawn soft and should get that stalking spot behind it. So. What
0: else you got We got Field Commander I think where I'm just going to Skip to race 7 um, I don't know A heap about this one What do you Know much about this one
2: Nah no, I've only had A sort of Brief look Because Obviously I did Only come out today But yeah. You know finally broke It's made The other day Over a mile On a heavy track So it Takes on its, it's own age group Here Obviously A strong race The Bloning, it's Normally sets up To be a pretty good Formation You've got a couple of Handy horses Going well But look David Payne's a very good trainer. I'm sure he wouldn't be, be running this horse for no reason. So it's going a little bit sticky, but with any sort of luck, you know, it handles wet tracks, and that's what we're obviously going to get Saturday. So at least you know I'll be able to get through the ground.
0: Silver Eagle goes all right, King?
1: Mate, well, I mean, it's – let's be honest. I mean, you look back three years ago, you think it's going to be a nothing race, and all of a sudden it's a million-dollar price tag connected <laughs> to it, and, you know, before you know it. What a shame. It, 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 it's, it's I mean a lot of these Sydney hoops would usually and normally you know head south go to Victorian riches but they've stuck around because I mean if you get a win or uh, essentially a nomination into the Golden Eagle you're not going to go anywhere and I guess Dylan you've got a, a chance with uh, Bjorn to
2: ride uh, Maurice's midad. so what are your thoughts there second up? Yeah, no. Yeah, like you said, it's funny. Normally everyone goes to Melbourne, and you look at the fields, and there's two or three Melbourne boys coming down this way. So, shows you how good the prize money is here. And no, he went good the other day, me, Dad, he um got back a little bit, and you know hit the line well. Look, strong race, but you know beyond horses that never far off the mark, he has a nice and rock hard fit. And that sort of might be what it comes down to Saturday. It might come down to the toughest and the fittest and. When you ride for Bjorn, you can sort of always be confident you got that on your side. So it might just bring them one with that bit more ability, just back a touch, and it might just level out the playing field.
0: You got um, you got Stray in the Ankh stakes. Um, I feel like this horse has promised a lot and hasn't really delivered too much. Tommy's ridden it the last couple of rides. Um, do you ever go talk to the jocks, like past guys who have been on horses um, a lot more yeah, than you?
2: Yeah, well, I went to the races with Josh Parr today actually, and he was telling me on the way home that it actually goes really that trade just hasn't sort of delivered he, he rode it one day at Flemington and Fox Seated and, and just never got a look in and got beat three lengths in a group two on the and Yeah. when I went and watched that run you know there's like you said it promised a lot just sadly hasn't delivered it in a while but you never know it's, it's probably the right sort of race to be having a crack at and has had two sort of good fitness runs under the belt now and
1: comes into the third up so you never know, know totally get it and i mean i guess in the lucky last you got classy jb which i actually don't know a whole lot about because it's coming out of kind of a uh, provincial circuit so it's, i guess it's more up your alley it's a wait what is oh, it, like you, you it last start, yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a, an ex hong kong horse yeah happy valley that's right yeah it's an ex hong kong horse and I mean, they won a Hurricane, which is no slouch race. I mean, we've used that as a Kosciuszko reference in the past as well. But, like, a- any thoughts about it? I mean, have you heard too much about from it from Pikey or John uh, Sylvester of the like?
2: No, I haven't had a chance to chat to him yet. But just sort of looking at his form, you know, it Beat Opar uh, who beat me on the Sturgeon in town. And that was a was solid Wednesday race. So, even though it was a Newcastle race, I'm pretty sure it was a... I think it might have been... Uh, Cameron on Cup Day, maybe it was one of the bigger days, so it was, yeah, maybe in provincial circuit But I think there were sort of almost city great races, so it's won it's that convincingly. You know, it goes to look down a thousand metres, had the run under its belt, and you know, takes on Ebb and Toro Toro again, but gets a claim. So if they're in the race and they're fancy to run well, well, there's no reason why my bloke can't either.
1: I totally agree. I mean, you get the two kilos off the top and you're competing against... I guess there's only 12 in the field, so, you know, you've beaten two of the... Uh, the I guess there nine remaining runners, so I think the form line's up. It's good. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's good.
1: to the right sort of form line. Anything else you're looking out for for, like, I
2: guess the rest of the spring or anything like that, Dylan? Uh, sadly, I'm not in a position <laughs> to be picking and choosing, <laughs> so I'll just be... Um, Welcoming everyone with open arms and just seeing what I can, what I can pick up as they come along.
0: Would you ever be open to traveling? I, don't, I was talking a lot some of the other jocks, and they've done like time in Hong Kong and that sort of stuff. Would you ever think about that in your career, doing some overseas stuff?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It sounds um, sounds unreal when you talk to some of the boys about their time away, and you know, at the end of the day, you don't come back talking about your your one winner on a Saturday you're over instead of being in Hong Kong. You know, so sort of fucking list places I'd love to go. And, yeah. You now hopefully I'm fortunate enough to get the opportunity to ride overseas. And, yeah, I'd uh, definitely be more than, more than happy to go over there and have a crack.
0: Sweet. All right, King, you got anything else? No. It's,
1: he's answered everything <laughs> perfectly.
0: Spoken like a true gentleman, mate. Well done. Well done today. Um, it's quite, quite sickening that it's 10 to 8 and you're still not home. You didn't even ride the last.
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Brutal.
0: This, this is a good and, result. This is a
1: good and result. Genuine and genuinely, uh, like, like from from the heart. I mean, our listeners are all kind of around our age or older. So, for you, the way you've spoken at twenty two years of age, I mean, that's just unbelievable. So, yeah, congrats, and you know, you keep doing what you're doing, Dylan. Thanks, boys. Appreciate
2: it. Good man, mate. Thanks for joining us. No, no worries. Anytime.